Good morning. Welcome to One Love. Are you happy? Because today is a day of joy. Now, I don't know about you or your house or your family, how you did things, but when I grew up, my dad hid Easter baskets. Did you, did you guys get Easter baskets? Did, they, did your parents hide them? Okay, it was just my dad who was cruel. This is what would happen. We would wake up in the morning. We knew that there was a gift waiting for us, right? Easter was kind of like Christmas. But on Easter, you got the stuff you really wanted, which was candy and money, right? We knew both those things were in a basket somewhere in our house. Now, there was a rule in our house. We weren't allowed to go find the Easter basket until my dad said that we could go get them. Now, every year, my dad hid the Easter baskets in the exact same place. I think he thought he was hiding them in different places, right? But every year, it was the exact same place. So what my mom would do is she would come first, and she would say, okay, kids, We'd all be in my bedroom. I still remember this. It would be me, my older sister, my little sister Jackie was like a baby at this point. But she would, she would look at me and Holly and she would go, okay, listen, your dad did it again. Like, he thinks he's being sneaky, but I want you to know it's in the exact same place that it was last year. So, so if you could, just kind of make a game of it, right? Just kind of run around and act like. So here, my sister and I, at this point, I'm like seven years old, you know, six years old. And we would run around the house and look under cushions and go, oh, the basket's not here, Dad. Right? Wonder where it's at. <clears throat> the point on all of that is, at one point, we would run, and they were always behind the couch. Always behind the couch. We knew every year they were behind the couch. Now, at One Love, I want you to understand something. For those of you here for the first time, what you need to know about One Love is we're a little bit different. We're a little bit weird. A little bit, and I want you to know and understand that we believe that Easter is all about joy. And so we start our Easter service a little different than probably any other church would. We're going to give you stuff. Yeah. So this is kind of like your big, don't jump ahead. She's been here a while. This is kind of like your big Easter basket deconstructed. You ready for this? All right, everyone get up and look for them. No, I'm just kidding. On the back of your chair is a number. I want you to grab that number. Sam is going to help me out here. If you don't have a number, that just means somebody already stole it. Welcome Welcome to church. Bring them up. I got it. Let's bring them up. Hold on. Don't forget the hula hoop. That's right. That's enough. That's enough, people. This is still church. Shut up. <clears throat> All right, this is how it's going to work. You have a number. If you don't have a number, I'm sorry, but your Easter has been canceled. <clears throat> we want you to remember what it was like 
on Easter Sunday morning as a child. Now, for those of you who did not grow up in a house where you got presents on Easter Sunday morning, you can become a child again today. All right? So here we go. For the magical purple hula hoop. I'm really hoping that a big guy gets this. Number 80. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, whoa. whoa. Where are you going? Come on up. Come on up. We want to see three perfect rotations. <laughs> All right, ready? We'll count them down. Ready? Let's go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Hey, I got to be honest with you. I did not think that was happening. That, that was impressive. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Here we go. For the Nerf football, number seven. Number seven. Oh, it's all in the back row. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Let's try to spread the wealth a little bit. How about that? This side, you have babies, but you're not getting a lot of gifts right now. You need 131. Sorry, I'm at 73. Oh! Here we go. Oh, watch out. Yeah, but I can't throw. <laughs> oh, you didn't catch it. Yes, you just saw Cleveland Browns fans in action. Can't throw and can't catch. All right, number 69. 69, oh, so close. Greg, you get bubble ones. Happy Easter, Greg. All right, here we go. Oh, my gosh, this is full of Reese's candy. One, 24. Jeff. All right, watch out, guys. Oh, stolen. Zach said denied. Number 16. Number 16. I knew we were coming to this side. Look at that. All right. Now we have a bundle of carrots. This may seem to you like a boring gift, but these are really Reese's Pieces. Except for the white ones. I'm not sure what's going on there. excited you all are right now. You can literally buy these for 50 cents at Myra, but come on. Number 90. Oh, Ed. Now you have to share those, Ed. Here we go. 
This is the wiffle ball bat. Now, before we go any further, this ball is not to be removed from its package until the conclusion of the sermon. I want you to know why we do pieces of paper now. One year, we did numbers in plastic eggs. That was a bad decision because Sam got bombarded by plastic eggs when people didn't get a prize. 144. Oh! Going to the perfect home. Look at that. Look at that. Here we go. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Brad, why would you do a kite? Because it's got a ninja turtle on it, Josh Stefano. Number 79. Seven, oh, so close. 79. Oh, draw another one. No, I'm just kidding. Dustin! Oh. The gifts are winding down. We're getting to the nitty-gritty, people. What number do you need back there, Brian? Oof. I'm not going to lie to you. For a milk chocolate bunny, this is a Russell Stover, which means it's not hollow. These are the ones you want. 28. Oh, look at that. Happy Easter. Now you got to eat these bunnies right now so you stay awake during the sermon. You can crash later. 75. Oh, look at this. It's a family bunny party. It's a family bunny party. Here we go. 30. Oh, the whole row went, oh. 32. Oh, front row. Cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. All right. Yeah, these go with that. All right, we are now going for a $15. This is money, people. Don't get too excited. It's Domino's Pizza. Here we go. Here we go. Look at Greg. Greg has never been more into a moment at this church than right now. Number one, 62. Oh! Steve Jackson could not go to a better person. Here we go. Another $15 domino, 64. Shut up. Was that rigged? You're not getting it. That's what happens to volunteers. That's what happens to volunteers. 153. Oh! This is becoming like a family thing here. All right, now the real crack cocaine of this church. It's time for coffee, people. I don't know how much is on these, so... It could be nothing. Happy Easter. There <laughs> we go. Did you, you got two numbers. Yeah, the one empty seat in this church. 161. Oh! 
There we go. One more. The grand bunny. Don't look at the bunny. Keep your eyes here. <laughs> My eyes are here, people. Here we go. Starbucks. Last one. One thirty-three. Oh, Mike. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's Easter. You can give it away. Would you like to donate it? Who do you want to give it to, Mike? You have to pick one person. The pregnant person? All right, come on up and get it. No? All right. We'll pass it back. We'll pass it back. All right, this is it, people. You have eaten into enough of my sermon time. So we have one left. Now, I want you guys to know. This is not a place where everyone gets a trophy. Right? This is not a participation church. So for those of you who did not get an Easter prize, you're losers. Here we go. Here we go. That does include me. Now, you need to know this is not just a bunny. This is a bunny and pizza and coffee. All I'm trying to say is this is the one you want, people. Oh, it's a low number. It's a low number. I apologize to the front row already. 15. Oh, right here in the front. Right here in the front. There's the cards. There's the cards. How about that? Now, there's only one way to conclude this, and that is by you turning to everyone who got a gift and you shouting a four-letter word. No, I'm just kidding. Love. That's what I meant. What were you guys talking about? John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you have not been here with us over the last few weeks, we've been going through the book of John for this moment. And we all know how it started, right? If you've been here, you know how it started. It started with John the Baptist's disciples pointing out Jesus, and they called him by seven different beautiful names. Scripture continues, and Jesus performs a lot of miracles, but we called out four of them that he actually performed, and they caused consequences in the people. Then he did four miracles that happened on actual Jewish holidays or Jewish ceremonial days, and those actually caused the teachers of the law to want to kill Jesus. From there, we find out that Jesus really didn't want to go to Jerusalem because that's where they wanted to kill him, but he had there in order to raise up one of his whose name was Lazarus and that act of obedience that going to Jerusalem meant that he was giving up his life for his friend following that we learned about last week the whole ceremony that centered around the crucifixion of Christ and we talked about how beautiful a day that is but the reality of it is is they had no understanding the moments that were just quickly to follow that. Today is the day that sums it all up because today is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Now, why do we do that? What's important about that? Well, the first and most important thing that's, that stands out about that is 
that we have to recognize that of all the false gods that are out there, they're all dead. They're all dead. You can go and you can name them and you can look at them. All the prophets, all the teachers, all those who before and after, they're dead. There's one that is alive, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so today is a day that we celebrate the resurrection. But I don't want to just do that. I want to dive into the resurrection story because there may be some of you in here today that have never heard it before. So we're going to sit together and we're going to read John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or your iPads or whatever you use to look into the Bible, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Now, I want you to know and understand that, whew, it's hot in here. You guys hot? Can we open those back doors? Watch this. Can we do like the two outside ones too, guys? Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm actually really impressed because those two inside doors do not stay open, and somehow they got them to stay open on the first try. <laughs> so good job. All right, we'll get some air in here. How about that? Ooh, yeah, y'all should have sat in the middle. That feels good. <laughs> John chapter 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. What do we need to understand here? First, that Mary loved Jesus, and I mean like she loved Jesus. She was a disciple of Jesus. A lot of people call her the first female disciple of Jesus. And while she wasn't named that way in scripture, she totally was exactly that. And she did some amazing things to express her love to Jesus. And one of those is happening right now. She's going back to the tomb in order to put perfumes and fragrances on the body of Christ. It's one of the Jewish traditions. Those who loved the person who died would go back and they would do these things. And so Mary was doing exactly that. And she gets there and she notices that the tomb has been disturbed or the rock has been pulled away. So what does she do? Look at verse 2. It says, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple who Jesus loved. Now we have to pause here too because we have to recognize that the first thing she did is she went to those who were in authority over her or those disciples that were right underneath Jesus. Who were they? Peter and who? John, who we believe wrote this book, right? But John doesn't call himself by name. What does he call himself? The one who Jesus loved. Now, here's what I love about John, right? If I was writing a book, I'd write it exactly like John did. And you're going to understand what I mean by that real soon. But if I was to write a book, I would do it just like this. Like if I was writing a book about Sarah, I would say, yes, Jordan and Jaden, my sons, and the husband in whom she loved, who was like a great kisser. Right? Like, that's how I would write it. Right? So John does this. He says, and the one who Jesus loved. And she says to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put them. Look at verse 3. So Peter went out with who? The other disciple, John. And they were going toward the tomb. Look at verse 4. Both of them were running together, but what happened? But the other disciple got there first. Now, in the importance of the story, 
how important is it to you that the other disciple got there first? Right? How important is it to John that you know the other disciple got there first? Let's keep going. Verse 4, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, I want you to notice what he says there, stopping to look in. He saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Look at verse 6. Then Simon Peter came following him, following him, and went into the tomb. He didn't stop like John did, right? He went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place all by itself. Look at verse 8. Then the other disciple, who had what? Come on, people. (laughs) Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, and he Believed. believed. Do you know what we call John? The first believer in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be neat? Who cares who won the race to the tomb? I mean, let's be honest. Who cares who won the race? Now, John cares because he's already told you three times, and trust me, we're going to hear it again, right? John cares, and he wants you to know that at first the race was even, but then I pulled ahead and got there first. And now here's the cool part. And John says, but I didn't go in. See, there's a moment when we know and understand and see the truth, but we don't want to face it, right? We know, we see, and we understand the truth, but we don't want to face it. And so in all of our lives, we have this stop moment. Now, Peter was like some of us who always go too far, right? Peter's the one who cut off the ear of of the guy who was coming to get Jesus. You remember that? Peter's the one who told Jesus, I would never deny you. And Jesus, in the exact same moment, said, no, you're really going to deny me three times, like quickly, Right? Peter's the one that was always going too far, always saying too much. Peter never stopped. He went full tilt. If you asked him to do it, he was going to do it all the way. And in this moment, he ran straight in, and he saw the linens, and he notices the one in particular that's all folded up. And what does he say? No. John saw and believed. Here's what happens with Peter. This is the great part. It says, And Simon Peter came in and followed him, and he saw the cloth laying there, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying. The other disciple who reached the tomb first also went, he saw and believed. Look at verse 9. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped in to look. Verse 12, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? You think they knew? Yeah. So why did they ask? You remember just a second ago I said there's a difference between knowing and seeing and understanding than experiencing, than moving into, than following through. There's a difference in most of our lives. And the truth is for a lot of us, especially when it comes to our faith, we know and understand and see, 
but we don't really want to experience, right? We want to be called a disciple, but we don't want to be obedient to what God has called us into. So what happens is, is we experience these moments where we are calling ourselves one thing, but we are living a completely other thing. And in this moment, they wanted to know exactly what Mary was experiencing. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you are. And I want you to know what's going on right now. And so, Mary, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Let's embrace that. Mary loved Jesus. I mean, she loved Jesus. She anointed Jesus in his ministry. And she had come back on this day to anoint him once again. She had expressed her love for him as a rabbi, as a teacher, over and over. And in this moment, they said, why are you crying? And she said, because they've taken him, and I don't know where he is. What's her fear of? Her fear is that she has lost him. Now, Peter and John are disciples, right? They get named. And they ran back home. She didn't run home. Peter and John went to experience something completely different. They had fear in them or, or misunderstanding or didn't know what was going on. So they took off. What did Mary do? She stayed. She wants answers. She's weeping. She's in pain. She sees these two angelic people at the foot and feet and head of Christ. It says this, they've taken him and I don't know where he is. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. And he said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you seeking? And supposing that he was a gardener, she said to him again, sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you have laid him and I will go and get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Have you ever loved someone so intently, so disturbingly, that all they had to do was say your name and something inside of you jumped? When my wife and I first started dating, I'm not kidding you, we had dated for about two weeks and we were sitting on the couch in her parents' living room. She had a little uh, baby boy who now is like a grown man back there in the room, right? But she had this little baby boy, and we're sitting there on the couch, and I turned to her, and I went, I'm going to marry you. Two weeks, I told her. She looked at me in my eyes, and she went, <laughs> literally, right? Ask her. She laughed at me. Now, we've been married for 17 years, almost. Am I wrong? You're looking at me weird. Huh? So I was right. <laughs> what we're saying is I was right. We've now been married for 17 years, and I'm going to tell you something. There's not a, a month that goes by that I don't tell her. Do you remember when I told you that I was going to marry you, and you laughed at me, and now look, ha, ha, I have entrapped you, right? 
I want you to know why I married her. This is the truth. I want you to understand this. Because I had dated girls, right? There were lots of girls that I wanted to put my arms around and, and kiss and, and do all the things that guys think about doing. But when I heard Sarah, not just saw her, right? When I saw her, when I see her to this day, anytime I see her, my, my heart skips a beat a little bit, right? I mean, that's the reason I put a ring on her finger because, you know, I wanted that feeling for the rest of my life. Jack knows what I'm talking about, right? You, you have, you, I put a ring on it, put a ring on it, <laughs> right? But when she talks to me, Guys, you don't even understand. Like, I could be ferocious in a moment, and she can whisper in my ear, and it is gone. Or I can be sad and down in the dumps, like last night, right, Sarah? I was cranky yesterday, y'all. You don't even know. You didn't want to be around me, right? Yesterday was a cranky day. I'm going to tell you, holidays are weird for pastors. They're just, they're weird days, right? But, but, so I had this crankiness that was working up on me, and Sarah we were last night, she was getting ready to go to bed, and she just told me, she said, look, and it was over. But it's not because I fear her. I want you to understand that. It's because I love her. That she has an influence in my spirit. That all she has to do is say, Brad, and there's something in me that jumps. Married men, you know what I'm talking about here, right? When you find that person that sparks something within you, I want you to understand something. I love my wife more than any human being on this earth. I love my wife more than my children. And I love my children a lot. But I love Jesus more than that. And so when he speaks to me, there's something. Look. I stand in front of you today as a broken man, y'all. As a sinner, I am not a good man. But I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he called me in this weird way, right? He called me and he said, hey, I want you to sit here in this moment. And do you know how he did it? He called me by name. And like Mary, I sat at his feet in this moment of prayer. And my heart jumped, and I said, God, there is nothing in this world that can call me away from you, and I will do whatever you want, and he said, go start a church in Huber Heights and have church in a house with very poor air circulations that you sweat, <laughs> and I said, but God, no one will come, and look at you dummies, <laughs> right? No, but here's the truth. Listen, I, I want you to grab this. I want you to understand this. If there's nothing else that you grab, I want you to get this. There is joy in the moment when God calls you by name. There is joy in that moment. What is the resurrection all about? Keep reading in this, right? Because there's moments that begin to happen, and here's what happens. I'm gonna, we don't have a lot of time this morning, so we're not going to read through the whole thing, but I want to quickly tell you what happens next, right? Then Jesus approaches the disciples, and you know what he tells the disciples? Very first thing, the very first thing he tells the disciples is, peace be with you. Why? Because they're worried. They're angry. They don't know what's going on. They're confused. They think the Jews are out to kill them, and, and they've locked themselves into a room, and Jesus appears right in the middle of them, and he says, peace be with you. And then right after that, do you know what he says? Peace 
be with you. He says it two times in a row. Why? Because he doesn't want you anxious and angry and not knowing what's going on and confused. He wants you in joy. And so right after that, he tells them, after they calm down and they're ready in their presence, he gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. He breathes onto them and he tells them this, those things that you have heard from me, you've got to take forward now. Now they go out from you. What is that? That's the call of a disciple. That's the moment when Jesus says, now that you believe, now that you have seen. And then he says this, way before that, he said this. He said, and for those of you who never get to see and yet still believe, blessed are you. Right? In that incredible sermon, right, he said way before. Then they didn't really understand what he was talking about. Now they get it. All that that Jesus has taught them is wrapped up into this moment, the moment that that man they just saw dead three days ago stands in the room, breathes on them the breath of the Holy Spirit, and then says, and now you go. And people say all the time, what was it that started the movement? Why is it that from that room, that attic, where those men stood there scared to death and locked in a room and not knowing what to do, how did what we now see as the Christian faith come, all these people, all these believers from that moment, it came because in that moment, he spoke to them and they filled with joy and they moved. And now we can sit in a living room converted into a church fellowship together. What's Easter all about? Joy. Life. Freedom. We celebrate today. We have fun. We eat candy. We pass out gifts. We hoot and holler and smile and hug and kiss and all that stuff. Why? Because freedom and joy and life are called into me. That's my name now. We talk about it here all the time, right? Don't wear your past. Don't wear the thing that everyone calls you. Don't be what you have created to be by anyone other than God. Today's the day, y'all. Today's the celebration. Today's the moment when Jesus looked into the face of death and lying and fear and deceit and agony and abuse and adultery. Today's the day where he looked at all of it and said, you are defeated and I am king. Amen. Today, we celebrate. Amen. Will you stand with me? I want to read to you real quickly the last chapter in John chapter 20. This is what it says. Last verse, I'm sorry. Starting in verse 30, verses 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name.
We've been studying for a month the book of John. And some of you have been saying why. That's why. So that you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the prophesied about. He is life. And if you want to live life fully, if you want to live life abundantly, if you want to live life in the love that Jesus has set forth, and this is what you have to do, you have to believe. Believe. I know that in the Christian faith, we've made it really hard. I know that we have. I know that we've said, you know, hey, and, and there's this set of rules you have to follow, and there's all these things that you have to do, and then we're going to judge you about whether or not you're a good disciple or a bad disciple or a good Christian or a bad Christian. It's going to get so ingrained in your head that you're actually going to judge yourself based upon whether or not you think you're a good Christian or a bad Christian. You're going to look at other people and you're going to say, well, they're a better Christian than I am. And before you know it, our faith and our religion and everything that is encompassed into it has nothing to do with Jesus because it has everything to do with dragging you down. Well, I'm here to tell you, and we're not dragging down today. We're lifting up. We're putting the past behind. We're moving forward in the new heart, the new hope, the new life that only Jesus can give to you. And this world will promise you all these other things that will fall in place for you if you would just take this or do this or live this way or follow this false prophet. I promise you they will come to you and they will tell you and they will beg you to do it. But I am here today to tell you there is one answer. There is one Savior who is still alive today and his name is Jesus. And he offers you life, a real life, a full life, an abundant life. And he says the way that you get it is just like this. You believe and you will be saved. So I don't want you leaving here today if there is any doubt in your spirit that that's not true for you. I don't want you leaving here today if you've been chasing life in any other place. I don't want you to leave here today if you don't understand Easter in the way that I hope you understand Easter. I told you weeks ago, you will appreciate Easter in a whole new way, and this is what I meant by that. Easter is individually meant for you. Each one of you. It's not a holiday for all of us. I mean, we all get to celebrate it, but it was meant for you. You're that important. You're that valuable. You're that needed. And God sent his son for you. So we're going to pray a prayer together. We've been praying it for a couple weeks now. It's because I want everyone in this room to understand where they stand. And if you don't want to believe, that's okay too. Just keep coming. I will wear you down. I promise you that a life in Jesus is not a life that you will ever look at and say, I wish I hadn't done that. Will you pray with me? If you want to pray that prayer today, we, we say all the time at One Love, we are far too small of a building to have altars down here because you trip all over everybody. So make your altar where you stand right now. That means if you want to pray this out loud, do that. If you want to pray it to yourself, do that. If you want to be quiet about it or loud about it, all that we ask is, if you pray this prayer today, you let somebody know. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be anybody up here. It can be your child. I don't care who it is. Let somebody know. And today will be the day that your life begins to leave the legacy that Christ intended you to live. Let's pray. Just pray after me if you want to pray it this morning. My God, today we celebrate 
my salvation through Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is your son. I believe in the resurrection. And I want the life that you have called me to have. I worship you. I praise you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.